Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour is here, coming up in the final segment of the show, so two hours away. The robot, I call it the robot, the ball strike robot that's being used in AAA. Robo-up, they call it, I think. Uh, was on display I saw a highlight of this, and I am now all in on this technology. We'll explain, and we'll, we'll for our viewers, we'll show it, and for our listeners, we'll describe it. I'll get Paul and Chad to react in real time to the robo overturning a call in a AAA game this past weekend. Uh, headlines out there, Kitty Pickett uh, squarely in the mix uh, for the starting job, although Trubisky continues to hold on in Pittsburgh. We'll see how many starting reps Pickett deserves this week based on another good performance where last week he also received some first-team reps during practice. Malik Willis, uh, better in week two than week one as the backup quarterback to Ryan Tannehill. Um, I would move that way. I think we're all in agree agreement here. Malik Willis, you could move forward with him as the backup. Um, Logan Woodside, not getting much playing time as we uh, continue to see Willis get more and more reps, and they want the rookie to, to prove himself a bit. Matt Corral, this is what sucks about the preseason. Um, Liz Frank injury. Paul, you told me about this in the press box whenever I arrived Saturday night at Nissan Stadium. You said, you see Corral? And I thought, maybe you put on a show. And it's, out it's for the not year. that good. Out for it's the out. year with Liz Frank. Saves P.J. Walker's job as the number three, conceivably, in, uh, in Carolina behind um, the, the new starter, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold, if they go three deep, or, or Walker would be on the practice squad. But uh, bad news for Corral, who, you know, you wanted to get his feet wet, at least in some way, shape, or form this season. The redshirt year now happens with the boot on his leg. Yeah, that sucks. You know, yeah, so was, it's development year anyway, but now it's just in the, in the classroom more, you know? Well, and I'm thinking, you know, Sam Darnold, probably not a part of the long-term plans in Carolina. It just seems right that Baker Mayfield would have Matt Corral back him up because I see them as two very similar yes. styles. So if we're going with the... Backup thought process of get a guy who's similar stylistically to your starter, a la Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley in Baltimore. Boy, Baker Mayfield and Matt Corral make a lot of sense. Also, you know, and I think you know may, maybe cutting Darnold. Well, the money's guaranteed. So, but uh, look, he could, he could have gotten some mop up work. He could have gotten a you know a late season start. Um, after after things are over, you don't know what Baker's health is going to be. And all of this would have been vital information for who, fellas? For Matt Rule's successor, uh, who's going to be deciding what they do at quarterback <laughs> going forward next year, who's not going to have that tape. I wonder, and maybe we don't ever figure this out, but I, I'd love to know who's the player that ends up getting a 53-man roster spot to begin the year that otherwise wouldn't because – it looked as though Carolina was locked in for three quarterbacks on their roster. Because if you cut Corral, we know he's getting claimed. You can cut P.J. Walker and probably get him back. And again, I'm assuming this. But you've got the top two guys 
in Darnold and Mayfield that we're going to stick around unless they can move Darnold, right? You're not going to cut him loose if you're paying him anyway, have him as your backup. Well, now Corral's on IR, and you don't necessarily have to keep P.J. Walker if you got your top two. So there will be another positional player that keeps a roster spot, theoretically, based on this injury. And who knows? Maybe it ends up being one of the backup running backs or you know they, they need help on the offensive line or whatever. Um, that injury saved another man's job and gets probably locked in to some type of contract, Paul, because he's on the week now, one roster. P.J. Walker wasn't uh, – yeah, but odds are a young guy, you would, you would think, and a young guy locking well, in that salary doesn't mean much. The, I don't think the it best happens case scenario is, you know, years from now, this type of opportunity leads to someone getting on a roster and then starting an all-pro career yeah, because they'll be telling a story in a documentary and say, you know, I wasn't even going to be on the team unless Matt Corral had a Liz Frank injury in a preseason game, and that gave me the 53rd spot, and then I went on to a Hall of Fame career, or whatever it may be. That's the story you root for coming out of this, but odds are, Paul, it's going to be a you know third yeah. or fourth and running that, back. That locked-in salary happens for a vested veteran, not, right, right. not for everybody else. But uh, my question about Walker is, and here's another situation. Yeah, he wasn't good last year in his chances, but he's got a skill set. Is he better than somebody else's two? Or would he be a good competitor for somebody else's two? Or is he better than somebody else's practice squad guy? I think probably. So, look, we always, always, always overestimate how many guys get claimed on waivers. Always. Uh, predicting. Like, it, it, you know, the first time, the first day, there's like six or eight players claimed on waivers sometimes. Not 60, which is what we tend to forecast. But... Um, Again, I wonder if you don't keep Walker, who's guaranteed sal- salary doesn't guarantee, and a week later, everybody said it, quarterback, and less and likely go. to go make their move. You let him go, get him through waivers, and put him on your practice squad. Uh, Trey Lance was held out of the preseason game against the Vikings for the 49ers. I took this as a sign that Shanahan's completely fine with everything he's seen. Yeah, how could it be mo- anything else? I, I mean, for a guy who's only started two games – and it played well last week in a preseason performance. Um, had the joint practice this past week against Minnesota. They didn't play him. They didn't get the reps. And it, it, I find it peculiar how some coaches view this versus others. Shanahan Tree is pretty reserved. Yeah. Oh, very much so. I, I mean, McVay, chief amongst them. But uh, that's a pretty reserved coaching tree in terms of what the preseason means. Yeah. And if you're not going to show – if you're not going to run plays that are actually going to benefit you in week one, right? You want the quarterback to go through the offense instead of a, or you set something up a random version of whatever it might be. Yeah, it's maybe it's not worth it, and you get the work in the joint practice. That's how I would handle it. Andy Reid, <laughs> the opposite. Patrick Mahomes played in week one of the preseason. He played into the second quarter, a good portion of the second quarter for Kansas City this past weekend. Travis Kelsey was on the field. It's not like they're, okay, Mahomes wants to get work with the new receivers. The first-team offense is playing. I am, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who is always injured, is out there playing with the first-team offense. Um, I, I, I would, maybe I'm overly cautious this time of year. You can't win a Super Bowl in August, but you can lose one. And Patrick Mahomes is their ticket there. We know that. I, I, and I understand veterans, some veterans want to play. That's fine. He doesn't need to be playing two quarters of a preseason. Their game. thing to me is, I presume all the receivers play. They have a lot of turnover at receiver, and so they needed to see him with Valdez Scantling, and they need to see him with Juju Smith. And he looked great, by that. the way. He looked great. And and look, I mean, Armando Salguero says this. You know, at some point you say it's football, 
I don't know how many joint workouts they have. I presume they have at least one. You get two days of that, presumably, with your starting quarterback and his new receivers. Andy Reid's a pretty damn good coach. So if he thinks, you know, I tend to go with him. If he thinks that's not enough and he needs some more, then you say, go ahead and do it. But you know, if somebody gets hurt in that situation, well, you're, you're second guess you're to crushed. death. It's not, it's not the player who elected to play, who right. told the coach you wanted to play, that gets the blame. It's the head coach that allowed the player to play. Andy Reid's a great coach for a reason. It's because he listens to his players. I can guarantee you this is all done because Patrick Mahomes is in his ear saying, I need it. give me a little more time. We need to work some more cohesion with this offense. Yeah. And I would to- this is one where I get it either way. I would totally understand Andy Reid saying what Hutton is saying, going, look, you're, you're fine. We're not going to risk injury in the second quarter of this preseason, of preseason game number two so you can get more reps with these receivers. But I can also totally understand a guy with that level of success saying, I got here in large part because I listened to my great players. And if my great player is going to say, I need this time out there, I'm going to give it to him because mentally I don't want anything holding him back when we get to the season. I don't even want the inkling of something in the back of their mind saying, man, I could have used more time to get ready in live action, or man, I could have used this. I don't want any of that creeping in. I want no excuses, and I'm going to trust my guy. And if he says I want to be out there and I need to be out there, I'm going to let him play. So I, it's one of those where I get it either way with the head coach's decision. I, uh, I was talking with former Titans and Eagles safety Blaine Bishop this weekend, and I – was bringing this up because he was on the, the 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 Chiefs were playing prior to the Titans game. And I said, "What is he doing out there?" He goes, "This does not surprise me at all with Andy Reid. Andy Reid, whenever Blaine signed with Philly, he said that those were the most demanding practices because there was no sixty or seventy percent. He's like, we didn't go a hundred, but it was closer to a hundred than anywhere he had ever played. So the fact that they were playing their starters doesn't surprise him. I'm just stunned that you keep your guys out there, your franchise is out there." for a second quarter, then in the large scheme of things, are we going to look back on that continuity? Maybe. But you build that in practice more so than the preseason game anyway. Um, and he's looked very good the last two weeks. I, I would shut it down. But again, I would think it's shut I mean, down now. Uh, I, I didn't expect him to play in week one, though. I mean, if you want to get work, normally your starter, your big-time guy, gets one week now that it's reduced to three. By the way, the Chiefs are one of the rare teams that did not have a joint practice, so that might also factor into yeah, what you're saying. I would, I would say that's something there. I, I mean, you got to have – I don't know. With, with those new receivers, I would want to, I would want to see them, like, so him I, throw to them cover. I see, if I'm, if I'm Andy Reid, I don't want to see that at all. I don't want to see my star guy out there, my stars out in the second quarter of a preseason game, but if they're telling you over and over, we want to play, we want to play, we want to play – I'm also not there to go against my star players, but you also have to protect them against themselves. That's part of the job of the coach, right? Is to make decisions like that. And at times, it's like the baseball manager going out and your starter, who's great, Max Scherzer's never asking to come out of a game. But if you go up there and you're Buck Showalter, you got to take him out of the game sometime. Maybe he says, I want to face this guy. So I, I, I see it both ways. I, I don't think there is any doubt that the, there is a lingering feeling. Uh, and being ticked off from their loss to Cincinnati and the way the offense played against the Bengals' defense. Mahomes continues to reference it, and I think it permeates with the fact that they're playing as much as they are in the preseason. Um, Josh Allen played. There, here's another terrific also. The, so, so there's so, two AFC teams at the top of the list who didn't hesitate to go with their guys and yes, go big. But, man, what I mean, I, it is such a risk. Even at, 
But Zach Wilson, keep in mind, Zach Wilson avoids the catastrophic injury. He was not touched. And he has the cutback yep. that, that you know, worries everyone the minute he goes down and limps off. Um, and I realize it can happen any week. I just would not force the issue in a game-like scenario that doesn't, that doesn't matter for my season. The Bills, to me, is about Ken Dorsey, right? They've, that's a team that everybody's picking to go to the Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl, but they've got a new offensive coordinator with Brian Dabble moving, moving to the Giants' mess, and Ken Dorsey taking over, and Ken Dorsey had a great game. His offense had a great game. They scored points at will against, I think it was Denver, right? Yep. And the Bills, uh, by the way, so he, I think that's that's he a threw significant like three passes, yeah, like that. a significant thing for for Dorsey, maybe, you know, and it's uh, for Allen, it's getting your your toes wet. Uh, you know who else has been good is is Tua. He's been very efficient. Um, Throws the most accurate ball in the history of mankind. He connected on seventy five percent of attempts. Um, now this is interesting. They're not playing their veteran wideouts. You know, Waddle's not in there. Um, Hill's Hill. not in there. But they're playing Tua because they want to get him work with Mike McDaniel calling plays. And that I get that. That makes sense. Um, he did not have a completion longer than 17 yards, going back and reading through the, the Dolphins' preseason performance. Um, and they don't need him to be a long-range shooter, so to speak. It's just make your layups. And that's what Tungavaloa can do. The Dolphins haven't had their run game stand out. And I think that's, that's key when you start looking through you know, who they brought in that would they completely revamped three new running backs. Um, they, through two weeks of the preseason, have had not had a run game stand out. But here's something that, that is, uh, that's bigger than that. They, part of the run game is their offensive line. But also now back on the offensive line is Mike Jacecki, who is playing a different version of, quote-unquote, tight end than what he was doing last year. He's admitted he is struggling. He is playing well into the second half uh, for for Mike McDaniel. And this is a guy who is coming off of a career year, career best year, 70 catches, uh, somewhere around eight or 900 yards receiving. Very good year. Franchise tag. They bring him back. And now he's going to be asked to do more of the traditional tight end role than glorified wide receiver, which he admitted that's what he was doing. When asked about uh, still playing after all of the first stringers have been pulled, Jacecki said, I need it. I need all the reps I can get. I played receiver last year. I played receiver the last three, four years. I'm playing tight end now. Any reps I can get live out there, blocking, putting hands on another guy, going out there and working hard, blocking, honestly, just working on my footwork, hand placement. Any reps I can get, I use it. And McDaniel acknowledged it after the game. He's like, look, he's a pro. He's acknowledging that he needs the reps. I'm telling him he needs the reps by continuing to put him out there. He's a big part of what we're doing. But... He's for a fifth year tight end. He's admitting McDaniel's using him differently than any way he's been used in prior years at that tight end position. He's not going to be split out nearly as much. I still love Mike McDaniel. Uh, everything I hear from him so far, but talking about Tua, who we were talking about his efficiency in that game, Hutton, he was on with Dan Lebetard live, and there's video of it. And he's explaining. He's saying, you know, most lefties when they throw the football, it kind of goes like this. He's doing the motion like it tails out like a slice. In golf, the ball does. He says his does not do that for whatever reason. So I'm sure there's some science behind it that I haven't researched as to why lefties, the ball comes off their hand that way. Um, but he, he went on to say that it's the most catchable, accurate ball he's ever seen thrown. Talking about Tua Tungavailoa. So we heard that from Tyreek Hill, who obviously played with Patrick Mahomes. 
But you're hearing that now from Mike McDaniel also. Proof's going to be in the pudding yeah. when we get to the regular no season. But um, I, I like what I've heard so far from Mike McDaniel in Miami. Going back to Josh Allen playing in the preseason. So I go to church with the assistant GM's dad of the Bills. Okay. Um, Jim Overdorf, his dad, goes to my church, and I, I see him after church all the time, and I, we talk about the Bills. He came up to me and said, did you see that pass from Josh Allen in yesterday's game? And Hutton, my immediate reaction was, Josh Allen played in this game? I was shocked. So I went back and watched the pass that he was talking about, but we sat and talked about it. He said, yeah, you know, he wanted to go, and he said, I think he got a series or two is what he said. He got the one series, but... Man, I was shocked as well when I heard that, and I was I was hearing about it from the assistant GM's dad. I'm not as excited to go back to Miami about Miami's backs as maybe I, I should be. Maybe I'm underrating Chase Edmonds. Uh, Mostert was was hurt um, for a good share of, of I think the last two years, but um, anyway, he came from San Francisco. So um, fits, Daniel was the run game coordinator doing. in San Francisco, yeah, so he knows him well for sure. But uh, I, I don't love that running back committee as much as well. They were uh, awful running the football a year ago. Yeah, and they'll they, be better. They've got to get better at that, and they've completely, you know, wiped it clean. Yeah, they have. Um, the big winner from the weekend is Cavante Turpin, the most valuable player from the USFL, put on a show for Dallas. They've signed him. He's one of fifty players from the league that are currently in camps. And he not only had a punt return for a touchdown, but also had a kickoff return for a touchdown. The Cowboys have never had a kickoff and punt return for a touchdown in the same regular season game. And he's done it now uh, in the preseason, but did it when he had an opportunity. There have only been 13 times since 1950 in the regular season that a returner has done both. The last time we've seen it in the regular season was 2008. It's been a while. So when you see that highlight, just know it's rare, even if it is, uh, a, a preseason performance, and he's tiny. We, we had him on the show. He's small, but he can fly. And he, was, he went to Poland to play in some world league to try to keep his NFL dreams alive based on some off-the-field issues and an arrest stemming from his days um, in college when he was kicked out of T TCU. He is now in camp with the Cowboys, and he did everything he possibly could this past week against the Chargers on special teams. It's electric stuff. I mean, it's hard not to be excited if you're a Cowboys fan or if you're the Cowboys. And um, I, I, you could win yourself a job with that, with that one game. Who they have listed as their returners? Tony Pollard um, as kick and punt returner. Yeah, so if you're going to so, move more to him in the run game now, which, you know, if not for his money owed, Ezekiel Elliott, you could argue, wouldn't be on the roster. Right. And if you're going to move more to Pollard, or at least split it, maybe you want Turpin with an opportunity with the football in his hands. And Turpin is, you know, the story you want coming out of a league like the USFL. Yeah, you want your because, MVP to do that. Yeah, he, he, like you said, he was the MVP. He was a star. It's not someone who went to the USFL and wasn't productive. He was great. And now he's electric when he gets his chance in, in NFL preseason games. So I hope he goes on to big things. He's listed as their third slot in what I'm looking at, but James Washington's on the well, list James there. Washington's James Washington's, Washington's out. Reserve. Right? Yeah. So he, he may be in the, in the mix in the receiving core as well. I don't know. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau with an injury scare last night. Nothing serious, not an ACL, uh, a sprain, I believe. Sprain MCL. I sprain think MCL. Uh, 
Dayball was saying that he, he believes that he could still be ready for week one when he updated the, uh, with the media today. Thibodeau said last night, no big deal, when he was discussing with the, me- with the media. But he took a hit. It was a legal hit, a legal play, but on a, uh, a low block at the knees uh, against Thibodeau. And whenever he went down and you saw him limp off and they took him to the locker room, it did not look good. Like, it, you automatically fear the worst. And that, of course, affects the week one game uh, for, for the Giants as they start to look ahead and prepare for the, for the Titans and getting after Tannehill. Going low like that, uh, the cut, cut block is, is part of what line play involves. And you want to get him to the ground. You want to force him to use his hands to avoid you there, which he, he didn't. I don't know if he saw it coming or not. Right. But, um, you know, I think there's a little bit too much talk about it being filthy or dirty. It's, if it's legal, I don't, I don't know to me how much qualifies as filthy when it's in the bounds too, of legal. I think too often we confuse uh, the rules for the quarterback for rules of all. Yeah, I think you can't, right. you can't go low on a quarterback like that, but Kayvon Thibodeau's fair game, like it or not. No, he can't be engaged with somebody else. Right, then right. it's a chop block. So if he's engaged with somebody else and somebody comes and hits him low, that's, that's a serious offense. But as long as you're the only guy blocking him, what what was done to him is allowed to be done. It sucks. I mean, it. You don't want to yeah, say it. Yeah, lucky it's, it wasn't bad. It's but the also, other guy's trying to win a job. Yeah, you know, right or wrong, too. We see the late hit out of bounds on Hertz, which was a dirty play. Yes. Yeah. But it's preseason, so everything comes with that additional thing of, dude, we're not playing this thing like it's January in the playoffs. But Chill like Hutton out. said, that other so guy's even if trying it's a to win a job. Play, it's like, but. Kayvon Thibodeau, this is where everything gets murky. Yeah. He's not trying to win a job. He is a highly paid asset of the New York Giants that's getting legally low blocked yep. and injured by some dude trying to make the roster. So abolish preseason games. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm watching Saturday night thinking, my goodness, it, this sport would be infinitely better if the first chance we got to see a team was in a fir- in their first actual game. We had that two years ago. It like, worked just great. Co- college football early on works just fine, having not seen any team until they kick off in their first game without any preseason. NFL could too. Yeah, I, I would do away with it. I would mandate. If you want to do one preseason game, fine. Um, and then put also, some of these joint practices in yeah, stadiums I, I would and mandate, turn them into scrimmages. I would mandate every team has to do at least one joint practice. It's open to fans. Um, you can have up to two joint practices at your stadium that you charge tickets for for people to come out and watch at a certain rate. I'm not saying season ticket rate, but Look, a joint practice where the stars are actually going to play, um, where you know if Brady practiced last week, he was going to be on the practice field, and you'd actually throw passes in front of people. Like That's more valuable to me than the actual product. Televise it if you want to. And on the fiscal side, you know, look, these teams are technically charging full price for preseason games. You now have one, one year, and two the next year. But everybody knows that really that's the cost of the eight or nine regular season games you're getting at home. So I don't think there would be a huge protest if the if regular season tickets got more expensive because there's no preseason. So in terms of in terms of saving it. Well, in terms of saving it in order to save gates for the owners, I would say most fans would say, don't force me to buy preseason games. And if, if the regular season games are up, they're up. I mean, come on. The gates of the one preseason game in some cases for an well, owner? I mean, well, it's significant because the season ticket holders have to buy it. 
Yeah, you're forced to buy your tickets. Also, I mean, add an 18th game and be okay making you know four billion instead of three billion over three years. I mean, come on. Well, that's one of the reasons for its preservation. I think they not that it's going to be that big of a difference. They will add another game. Um, Also, like they they also want the concessions and parking because they don't have to split that revenue with the owners. Um, The tickets they do. Right. Right. Well, a portion of the tickets they do. The portion of the or, tickets they yeah, do. Yeah, maybe all of it. It gets and thrown into a pot. The the parking and the, all that they don't share any of that with the players. So that's all just straight cash for the ownership. Um, that's another two free games that you. I'm willing to get bet that. we could put our heads together. I was with the collective smarts Chad, on this show and uh, everyone else who watches football and come up with a way for those poor owners to find another way. To make money outside of preseason games. Tell 60,000 fans or 50,000 to stop showing up on a random Saturday night after a thunder shower, uh, thunderstorm. Well, I, and, if and that was 50,000, then that was some uh, interesting I thought the accounting. Crowd was pretty good. I thought the overhead shot looked about half full when the, when the game started. Maybe oh, it, was it was a late arrival well, crowd. It was well more than 30. I think, uh, you know, in Nashville, people are coming uh, because there's a Malik Willis storyline there. And, and so, and I think, well, I Nashville, think people do a good job of handing just, off it's tickets. Football. People are coming because it's football. Yeah, that's, I know, the, that's the issue. I know a number of people who got handed tickets by season ticket holders that aren't going to preseason games yeah. that went because they can go to a game for free because the season ticket holder gave them tickets. Yeah, but they're still paying for parking, paying for concessions, overpriced stuff. Yeah, right. There's like, money. They're still making money. I, I'm off not the game here to that, argue with billionaire owners finding ways to milk money out of working class people. I get that that's going to happen. I'm just saying, I bet there's other ways we can get creative where they can make that money they're going to miss on these preseason games not happen. But Hutt's right. I, and I'd love to see that creativity people take place. People are still showing up because and these people games are, are horrendous. On TV, also. That game was horrendous and it'll get a rating. Well, in sometimes, Nashville. I mean, I, there are times where I'm like, you got to save people from themselves. Oh, I agree. It's like Andy Reid not broccoli. putting Patrick Mahomes out there. Yeah. Like, stop going to the game. <laughs> I know. And if you put an NFL game out there, I get that their arguments can be, hey, do you see the crap? People went. We got to stop these people from spending their hard-earned dollars. I, I think you're dead doing on. this and going to these games. I think there are times you got to save people from themselves, and I think there are other times where you have to force feed them their broccoli. Uh, you know, and people are reluctant to do both. Coming up, we take a look at the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Los Angeles Rams. We'll do a deep dive on both organizations next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13 couple of quick notes, and then we'll get to our NFL preview of the NFC West. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Kenyon Drake released by the Raiders. They also, the, the Raiders, guys who they're going to cut, they end up getting something in return for them. They didn't trade Drake, but they traded Nick Mullins today to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, they only get a conditional 7th round pick in return. It's better than nothing. But if they're going to cut him anyway, you might as well move him before cutting him, and they, they're able to do that. They had traded uh, a safety to the Titans last week who didn't seem to be making their roster. Gillespie. Yeah, Gillespie. Um, now it's uh, Kenyon Drake who is released. They have a number of different backs there, but 
Drake goes from the Dolphins to the Raiders to a team, I guess, that can claim him now on waivers. This is uh, Mark Davis trying to eliminate the Tom <laughs> Brady Gronk story from over the weekend. We're going to make a splash getting rid of Kenyon Drake, so we're going to do that. You can see how, I mean, they've got Brandon Bolden there from New England. You can see the, the Josh McDaniels twist on the run game and how they're going to use a number of different backs. You know, I don't think it'll be the traditional three. You don't keep three. I think they'll keep multiple guys and then rotate them on and off the practice squad because that's how they would do it in New England. You'd have uh, James White one week and the next week was Brandon Bolden. They rotate in someone else. Yeah, it's not um, a good team to pick your fantasy guy from, generally no, speaking, no. a, a, uh, a Belichick-McDaniel team. We had the discussion McDaniels. earlier about the right tackle battle uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Dylan Radins was moved, and he's been playing uh, guard today in practice. Now, Mike Vrabel is saying they just want to get some guys some looks in different spots and they're hurt. if they move guys around. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing Ben Jones didn't practice because he didn't play, and he was hobbled a little bit, and then the uh, – work last week against the Bucks, And Jamarco Jones has been Jamarco Jones hasn't been working, so he's been a guard. I mean, they were down available. to Jordan Roos, a, a third-string guy started um, at right, right guard, right? Right guard, yeah. Um, so they do have some guard issues. Look, they've got depth issues. They also – But if he's going to be your starting right tackle, you're probably not kicking him inside. Exactly. You know, so. You'd play Nicholas Petit-Frere at guard if you thought he was going to be the backup tackle. Um, Nicholas Petit-Frere may have won the job Saturday, for all we know. Um, they're certainly not going to tell us that. I think... Um, but Raiden's, Raiden's today played his role that he was on this roster for last year. Reserve swing guy with a chance to be active, yeah. but maybe not. I don't think they've decided yet. Um, I think that, that Petit Frere could have won it by now, but, uh, but hasn't because he's inconsistent. And, you know, he's a third rounder for a reason as opposed to a second rounder. The Arizona Cardinals are coming to Nashville for joint practice work later this week on Wednesday and Thursday, and then they'll play a preseason game on Saturday against the Titans as our NFL preview series continues on Outkick 360. Let's take a look at the Arizona Cardinals. Last year, 11-6, and six, but we know how things ended down the stretch and the terrible performance in the playoffs to the Los Angeles Rams. And... While the record itself looks great, the finish was anything but two straight years where they have hobbled down the stretch. They were the last remaining unbeaten team in the NFL a year ago. And based on the season outlook right now, guys, you would think that they were finished third in the West, which was not the case. Um, they bring in Hollywood Brown to their offense. Christian Kirk was a third wide receiver who got number one money to go to Jacksonville at wide receiver. Chandler Jones is now playing in Vegas. Chase Edmonds is now in Miami. Jordan Hicks is uh, an inside linebacker uh, that was getting plenty of reps for them, as was Jordan Phillips at defensive end. This is uh, uh, They're getting younger on the defensive side, and on the offensive side, it comes down to Cliff Kingsbury, and it comes down to Kyler Murray, and offseason extensions that really weren't warrant warranted, but they gave it to both anyway. Can Hollywood Brown really be the number one receiver option for them while they wait on DeAndre Hopkins? Huge question I have, just to be able to tread water without him offensively. Zach Ertz is a nice security blanket for Kyler Murray. They draft Trey McBride in the second round, who's one of the top tight end targets out of Colorado State. That was an interesting selection. I think they've got Max Williams also on the roster at tight end. So 
I, I look up and down this roster, though, guys, and you know, no, no Chandler Jones. You see all the key losses. How is this team better than that team that faltered down the stretch a year ago? They're certainly not without Hopkins. We know that for those first six games, but in the long run, is this a better team than a year ago? I think absolutely not. They've got uh, second hardest schedule in the league regarding what they're going against in terms of offensive efficiency. That's per Warren Sharp. And I've been big on to this. Last year they faced Rodgers. I mean, last year they faced Lance, uh, Mills, P.J. Walker, Andy Dalton. This year, Rodgers, um, Dak, and uh, better better people coming in their future. Um, I, I think it's a down year. I think, you know, there, there's a positive spin on what's gone on at receiver in that Hopkins – is locked in at one spot, and he's out of the lineup now for, for six weeks, six games, that they could move their guys around more. Hollywood Brown is a more flexible guy and maybe be some more creative with some of that. I don't know that that solves their problems, though it sounds nice, right? That Kingsbury could be more creative. But it's not like Hopkins is an albatross. You want Hopkins in that one spot dominating uh, a, a cornerback and drawing a number one cornerback on a reg- regular basis. Chad, I think uh, it's fair to say they're not better on paper than they were a year ago. I think this can be a better team than it was a year ago and still only have nine wins. Because I think there's a chance they can be a tougher out and not limp to the playoffs like they have the last two years or have a chance to get to the playoffs and then lose out. Um, I, I think they, they have the opportunity with Murray. Um, when, when he's on, he is a magician. You know, he's a magic show. You can throw it off the back foot, letting it fly. I mean, it's fun to watch him. And when he's not in rhythm and when they, he's not in rhythm with the play caller in Kingsbury, it is, they're done. It's game over. And... The season for me, no matter what the losses say on the, the, I'm saying the player losses from the offseason say on, on paper, it comes down to the relationship between the quarterback and the head coach. And if they get back on the same page, they can be, you know, uh, not just a playoff team, but a pretty good one. And if not, well, there's going to be changes at head coach, likely general manager, and the quarterback's going to be there for at least another year based on the contract. Yeah, to, to what you were saying, Paul, if this is a down year for them, this is going to be uh, an off year next year for Cliff Kingsbury because he's going to get fired. If this is in fact a down, even with down the extension, year. if it's down, like they were, if they finish bottom of the basement of that of that division, because again, the Seattle's in this division, they should not like Sweep bottom out. out. It should not be that bad, right? Nope. If it turns into that, they're in a world of hurt with the front office and their head coach because even with Hopkins missing six games. They fumbled 26 times last year. They recovered 23 of those. Wow. That's called ridiculous fumble luck. They need to fumble a lot less because odds are they're not going to recover nearly as many. And they need to get Zach Ertz more involved. They did not do that. I thought it was the great... It came in during the season. Yeah, at the trade deadline. I thought it was a great acquisition. Um, He was brought in a week or two prior to the trade deadline. And... Never really got fully involved to what we know Ertz is capable of from Philly. To me, especially with the way they've loaded up at tight end, they're they're looking for passes over the middle for Murray. You know, quick, concise routes up the seam and towards the numbers. That's Ertz. Like I, I would, I would lean on him more than I would lean on Hollywood Brown in the absence of. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I think the efforts at tight end are exactly that. It's a reflection of let's give Murray a chance 
to not have to look for a receiver downfield and get a killed. safety valve. Yeah. yeah. We need, need more of a security blanket for him. The Los Angeles Rams, your reigning Super Bowl champions, not getting enough discussion for the repeat opportunity here because they're back. They're bringing people back. Their head coach is back. Aaron Donald's back. Cooper Cup has an extension. We're back, baby. They, they're, they're talking about running it back. 12-5, and five, and they go on the road in Tampa. They, they get up, what, 27-3. to three. Tampa comes back. Stafford steps up, delivers to Cup. They kick the field goal. They move on. They win the NFC Championship game, go on to win the Super Bowl last year. They brought in Allen Robinson with Robert Woods now in Tennessee. They bring in Allen Robinson at wide receiver, and they add Bobby Wagner, who is an excellent leader at linebacker. He signed with them over the Ravens because he wants to win a Super Bowl, and he has a chance to live on the West Coast. Von Miller is now in Buffalo, and Austin Corbett is no longer on their offensive line. Uh, but, guys, this, this is a team that remains right on that number, the number being 12-5, and five, Super Bowl caliber, and I don't know. I, I'm raising my hand here. I haven't talked about them repeating enough. I haven't considered them as a Super Bowl champion enough when thinking about who I'm going to pick for my Super Bowl winner this year. I think they're going to miss Andrew Whitworth for sure and Corbett on that offensive line, so that's one concern I have. And here's the other big thing. You rattled off the names. Salary cap-wise, the investment in Stafford, Cup, Donald, and Ramsey is enormous. If one of those guys misses any kind of significant time, they're in trouble because this team is built around those guys being massively productive and everybody else kind of filling in the cracks around them. So they've got a big four as much as any team in the league in terms of, of their investment. Um, Oh, we should also mention Jalen Ramsey. Like they, they have yeah, others. Yeah, uh, Raheem Cup, Morris Donald not getting a, a head coaching opportunity is a good thing for the Rams with continuity coming back a defensive coordinator, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. I think they need to get back to a little bit more balance. So the thing that made Stafford so exciting last year, they threw eighty percent of their touchdowns were passes. The year before, they were virtually 50-50 run pass. I don't really care how you get in the end zone, but right. I think it makes them. Uh, not one-dimensional because they can run the ball, but uh, they've got a little over-reliant on, on pass, 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 and they're going to need to balance things out and run the ball effectively. I know they were hurt uh, in the backfield last year also, which was a factor. Henderson, so I'm curious to see Cam Akers back to full health, Henderson, and uh, Kyron Williams is a fifth-rounder. Yeah, Cam Akers has the chance to be the bell cow. Are we sleeping on Allen Robinson in that addition? I think Allen Robinson's going to be great. And Van Jefferson, I think, is a guy that, that can do more yep. than he's been asked to do in the past. That's a, that's a good threesome. The depth, I wonder about a little bit. But even some of these guys have stepped up in big moments. Tutu Atwell is a player who stepped up in the playoff run last year. Um, so they, they, have, they have pieces, but they have the stars. They have the reliable, week-in, week-out, bona fide studs. And the horsepower at quarterback now. A guy who's now been there, done that. Stepped up in a key moment after waiting a career, after waiting 12 years. Game on the line. Brady on the other sideline after bringing him back 24. And Stafford stepped up in the moment. And they went on to win the Super Bowl. And I, it, it's hard not to look into this and say they're, they're trying to bring it back. They're trying to – they told McVay they wanted – Stafford and Cup both said, you're staying because we're here because you're here. Um, same thing goes for Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald said, my contract, um, I'm, I'm talking retirement again whenever uh, McVay decides to hang it up. 
Who, know, who knows? But yeah, three again, years max. Yeah, but there you go. Like there, this is a very cohesive group, and McVeigh has a great pulse on the locker room. And look, did the division get any better? I mean, uh, San Francisco, you know, changing quarterback could be a step back. Could be. And and uh, you know, but San Francisco always always gave them problems. Arizona, we just talked about. None of us are super high on Arizona, and Seattle it should be a patch for the Rams. I, I just look at the whole yeah. NFC, and I, I think. There's two teams that I'm going to be talking about more than any. It's the Packers. It's the Rams. I, I think Unless, I think there's a drop off after the, that. The Bucks. one, the one Achilles' heel is John Wolford's their backup quarterback. If Stafford, one of my five words. If Stafford, something happens to him where he has to miss five to six weeks, something. That's where the, you can see a tailspin happen. Also, teams don't go back. Teams don't win twice in a row. It just it hasn't happened in so long. I right. think that's one of the things people well, count since, against them. Since Brady and the, and the Pats. Coming up, are the Yankees going to be back? Aaron Boone imploring his players to just, play better. Just play better, guys. Come on. We'll get Paul's take next on Outkick 360. To give the Yankees some props, they, they won yesterday against Toronto. They now face the Mets. Another series coming up against the Mets, and they face Scherzer this evening. And DeGrom tomorrow. Oh, and DeGrom tomorrow. Yeah, okay, they, 360 a, a rolls seri- on. A series they will lose, but I am rooting for them to win. Two and game win, series. And win bigly. Aaron, sure it's Aaron Boone begs the Yankees to play better after losing for 15th time in 19 games. I read that exactly as the headline was, was uh, written at CBS over the weekend. Paul, uh, Aaron Boone begs... When you get to a point when you're begging for your players to play better, have you like are you exhausted on any other route you could possibly do as a manager? Well, I mean, they've moved some players around. They, they called up one of their top minor leaguers who's a, who's a shortstop by trade. He, he played right field. Uh, one of the games made a, a game opening, stole a home run, uh, made a jump throw from in the hole at shortstop yesterday that was reminiscent of Derek Jeter, a more athletic Derek Jeter. Look, look, they got the same formula going on. They're not scoring any runs. They're missing Giancarlo Stanton for starters, who who might reemerge today. Um, but uh, they they don't score runs, and if their pitcher can, their starting pitcher can maintain some contact, you know, to the sixth, the bullpen comes in and gives up something that then they're chasing they by three or four instead of in a one run game in the ninth, where they've used up their their quota of. Dramatic walk-off, ninth-inning comebacks for the year. They've used up three years' worth uh, in the first half of this season. So they're just playing like garbage right now. you got to hope that they can, uh, if you're a Yankee fan like I am, you're hoping that they can, you know, at least get to 500 here for a while, which puts them out of risk of anybody catching them, and then maybe get it together going into the playoffs. Well, let's take a glance at the playoff standings right now. Let's start with the National League, and you'll see the division leaders here as we put the graphic up. Um. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. And we'll get that get to that in a moment. There we go. Stick with the A. The uh, Dodgers A. and Mets and Cardinals 
leading their divisions. The Braves, I I don't know how you feel, Chad. Do you think they catch the Mets and surpass them? I think it's very likely at this point the way – not that it. the Mets are trending poorly, but after the Braves, they, they're now one game under five hundred against the Mets this year after winning three out of four. I, so uh, History would tell us the Braves are surging – the Mets will eventually decline, and the Braves will catch them. But so, the Mets are going to win two out of five with those two starting pitchers on a very sure. regular basis. Braves so just if, beat DeGrom. Yeah, that's a, and that's a very impressive possible. win. Braves, Padres, Phillies right now, your wild card uh, leaders for the three spots. The Brewers on the outside looking in. And we'll flip to the American League where you will see uh, where the Yankees stand in all of this compared to the rest of the American League. Uh, in just a moment. I've got I've got it here, yeah, too. Go ahead. Uh, by the way, the Braves now are a half game better than the Yankees, which is crazy to think about when the Yankees, what, 40-something games over 500? I mean, they were playing 7.30, 7.40 baseball. The Yankees still comfortable, though. They're eight games ahead of the Rays and the Blue Jays in the East. So. And those teams play each other still is the other thing the Yankees have going for them. I would not feel confident, though, at all if I'm a Yankees fan right now. Uh, I don't. But Even with an eight-game lead. 39 or 40 games left. That's a lot of traction to make up, and these teams are playing I, each other. So the Astros, Yankees, Guardians are your three division leaders. Rays, Blue Jays, Mariners are your wild card with the Twins on the outside looking in. Uh, you guys know I'm rooting for the Mariners here. Uh, Orioles the Orioles are, are right Orioles behind the Twins. In there, yeah. they're, they're in the hunt. Of all these teams, I know the least about the Cleveland Guardians. I just haven't really paid they attention had call, to them. teammates called up recently from minor leagues who played together as 12-year-olds <laughs> on the same little league team. They're 64 and 56, and they lead their division. Headlines next. Back to football on Outkick 360.